Hey, Pacific Coast Church, Pastor JF here. Thanks for joining us today online. We're so grateful to have you with us. Please tell us where you're watching from. Drop it in the comments. Let us know how we can be praying for you. There's a lot of exciting things coming down the pike for PCC, and we want you to stay informed. And the way you can do this is by following us on all of our social media platforms. Find us on Instagram and Facebook, and you can find direct links on our website at Pacific Coast. Church. You can also sign up right there to receive all new information through just a simple text that'll come right to your device. Take a second and do that right now. Hey, we had such an amazing in-person gathering last Sunday. Make sure you're following us on all of those platforms to get the details of the next upcoming in-person services. We also want to make sure that even during this season that you stay connected if you're not part of a small group or a watch party, please head over to the website right now and sign up for one. You got to do it. You can also submit all of your prayer requests right there and you can even give online. And we cannot tell you how much it means to us that you would consider linking arms with us in this journey. Thank you for your obedience, your faithfulness to how the Lord is leading you. There's different ways that you can give. One way is by texting the word donation to 84576, or you can mail your check to Pacific Coast Church PO Box 66026, Tacoma, Washington 98467. We are so grateful for you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for participating in your partnership financially. We are so excited. And so today we're diving into Ephesians. This is a new series that we're launching entitled Dear Ephesus. And so I encourage you, get your Bibles out, get something to write with. Pastor Ashley is about to bring it today and you want to get all of this inside of you. So it'll get outside of you because that's what we're called to do. Please, here we go. Dear Ephesus, Ephesians chapter one. Stay tuned. Church, Pastor Ashley here. Man, am I stoked for this new series. We have been praying about this one for literally over a year. And as always, the Lord has perfect timing. We titled the series, Dear Ephesus, which by the way, was the name of my favorite Christian emo band in high school. Yes, Christian emo, that's actually a thing. But also, I love that name because it helps us to remember that the book of Ephesians isn't actually a book. 
It's sometimes so easy to forget that when we're reading scripture, but this was a letter that the Apostle Paul, remember who Apostle Paul is? He's the Christian killing terrorist turned evangelist turned church planner and author of half of the New Testament. This guy wrote this while he was in prison. He wrote it to a group of people that he had ministered to and ministered with during his time there in Ephesus. Now, Ephesus was a big city for that time, the capital of Asia Minor, and it was the epicenter of worship for most of the Greek and Roman gods. It held a massive theater and the Temple of Diana, which actually was one of the seven wonders of the world at that time. The story of how Paul came to Ephesus is really interesting, and you can go and read about that this week in Acts chapter 19. Maybe that's your homework. Paul ministered there for years, and many people became followers of Jesus under his ministry. God was doing incredible things, so incredible that the idol makers, meaning the people that were making money off of the idol worship, got really nervous about their business, their money, right, and ran him right out of town. Years later, Paul is imprisoned by the Romans, and he writes this letter to the believers in Ephesus. It's almost like Paul, as the church planting pastor, was writing to those that were his small group leaders under his ministry. Isn't it cool to think about it like that? I don't get many handwritten letters anymore. I have to tell you, I mean, most of what I get, honestly, is just bills in the mail. But I do distinctly remember one specific letter that I received back when I was in middle school. You see, I'd gone to church camp one summer and I met a boy, right? <laughs> I kind of had a little crush on him and I thought maybe he had a little crush on me and we exchanged phone numbers. Now, I need to explain that those phone numbers were our parents' landlines. Some of you don't even know what landlines are. You're gonna have to go Google that. And we exchanged addresses. Now remember, those were mailing addresses, not email addresses. None of us had email back then. I know, I know, it sounds like caveman times. But we'd corresponded a little bit back and forth, you know, just a few phone calls over a few months, maybe a couple letters. And back then, the phone calls were a big deal, right? Because you had to purchase these long-distance phone cards. And friend, I'm telling you, it was a massive ordeal. Anyway, I remember it was Valentine's coming up. And I was so excited because on Valentine's Day, I went and opened the mailbox and I saw a red envelope with my name on it from him. I opened up the sparkly card and started to read what I knew was going to be the sweetest note to me ever. And it read, Dear Jennifer. Jennifer? What? Jennifer? Are you kidding me? This dude was trying to be a church camp player, friend. He sent multiple cards to multiple girls and wasn't slick enough to get it all straight. Totally busted on Valentine's Day. Can you believe it? Paul wasn't writing that kind of letter, but it was a letter, and this is important to know. In a very Jewish fashion, Paul starts this letter with a type of poem. It's a poem about what Jesus has done for us. He then follows it with a prayer, 
which follows the typical ancient format. You see, letters had some sort of expected format back then, just like they do now. Think about it. If you're writing an official letter of some kind, we normally put the date and then we put the name and address of who it's from, right, next to and under that, and then who it's addressed to, and then we skip another line and we start the letter by addressing that person or those people, dear whoever or to whom it may concern, then the content of the letter and a type of close and a salutation and then our signature, right? It follows a format. This letter follows the ancient tradition, formatting and style. Let's look together at how Paul starts. Ephesians 1, starting in verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, a.k.a. Dear Ephesus. In the first chapter and section of this letter, Paul has three major points that he drives home and prays over the entirety of the church there. They're all found in verses 18 and 19. And everything else in this whole first chapter seems to swirl around it. I want you to look with me at those two verses. Jump down to verse 18. Ephesians 1:18 says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people, and the incomparably great power for us who believe. Those three will serve as our three points today. Let's, just, let's ask, just like Paul did, that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened today that we might know these three things truly, that we would have like a light bulb moment, like none other, where we begin to grasp the reality of these three concepts. The first one, and it's your first point today, that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Think about that for a second. This one is so huge. That's why we teach and talk about this all the time. That's why we'll be launching virtual growth tracks soon. Because if you don't understand that God has chosen you for a specific purpose, to bring his hope to a hurting world and his hope to a dying world, then nothing else in this life will matter the way it should. If you don't understand that God really does have good things for you, I didn't say that they would be easy things. I didn't say that they would be comfortable things, hello, but he really does have blessings for you in your life. If you don't get that, then we're often tempted to live just any sort of way. This verse is my favorite reminder of that exact principle. It's Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no revelation, meaning it's referring to exactly what Paul was talking about, where there's no full understanding or enlightenment of your calling People cast off restraint is what scripture says, meaning they just end up living however because they don't understand that their life truly really has purpose. But blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. Paul starts this poetic prayer with a reminder of what the Lord has for us and for our lives. Look at Ephesians 1. Let's go to verse 3. This first word says praise, but in the original language, the term is actually blessing. And you can see why when you read the rest of the sentence, Paul is truly poetically emphasizing something here that's very specific. 
Verse 3, praise or blessing be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. What is he saying? He's saying God is a God of blessing. Not only did he provide the blessing to us, but he made a way for us to walk in the blessings that he has for us. I love that he starts writing the letter from prison, making sure that we focus on God's blessing and how blessed we are. Verse four, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. I wanna stop right there because that word predestined can get confusing and might even be a trigger word for you if you've been in the church for a little while. That term honestly has caused so much division in the global church throughout history. It's a lot less confusing to me if we interchange it with the word chosen as it's throughout scripture, but also earlier in that passage itself, it becomes a lot less controversial if we do that and a lot easier to understand. If you're not aware, unfortunately, people argue all the time over whether God is calling us predestined, whether that means that we have free will or that he chose us. And while people are arguing over whether it's one or the other, my answer to you is it's both. But pastor, how could it be both? Well, a lot of things are both. It could be both in the same way that if someone asked me if this can is a circle or a cylinder. Well, I would say, well, yeah, it's a circle if you look at it from the top. Right? It might even be a rectangle of some kind if you look at it from the side. But if you look at it in a 3D fashion, this bubbly is actually a cylinder. I believe this idea of free will and God choosing us can also be both. I believe that scripture is clear, that God always wanted us. And so he provided a way for us all to be his chosen. And the second that we say yes to Jesus and what he did for us, we become a part of his family, his children, his chosen people. And here's the thing that blows our mind sometimes, but we have to remember that God exists outside of time. So while it's so hard for us to comprehend it, he is fully able to choose us and also give us free will. He has also loved you and always made a plan for you to be with him. And so for those of us who follow Jesus now, we were chosen even before the creation of the world. And for those of us that will follow Jesus, guess what? You're also his chosen. We all become that the second we say yes to Jesus. And that's what I believe that that means. Let's read it again. Let's go to verse four. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. He's always wanted us, friend. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, meaning he loved us so much, even then that he made a way for us to be his kids, his chosen in accordance with his pleasure, meaning because he wanted to. It's what he's always wanted to do. 
Verse 6, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given to us in the one he loves. We understand that we get God's grace, right? Because of Jesus and what he did for us. Verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will, meaning what he wants us to do here on earth according to his good pleasure, because revealing to us our actual purpose is what makes him happy, which he purposed in Christ, meaning he made it all possible through what Jesus did, to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, meaning in due time, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ, meaning he's always called us to bring more of heaven to earth here and now, in him we are also chosen, having been predestined, according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, meaning Paul is talking about the Jews right now that believe in Jesus, who were first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you, meaning us, the non-Jews called Gentiles, that's the rest of us, also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Do you see it? When you accept him, you're now part of the chosen. And because you did, and because he's always existed outside of this little measure we call time, you've always been chosen, friend. I know it's a lot to process. The Holy Spirit helps us with this. Look, scripture says, when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are called God's possession to the praise of his glory. The nudges and the drawings and the impressions that the Holy Spirit gives you, that's proof. It's called a deposit, right? Is what scripture says that helps you know that you are his. That brings us to the next main point that Paul's trying to make in this first chapter. One, that you may know the hope to which he's called you. There's so much power in that. I kind of want to say it again, say it louder. Friend, he has chosen you. He's called you. He hasn't called you into despair, no matter what people have done to you. He didn't call you into judgment, regardless of your past. He calls you into hope that he provided through Jesus and the Holy Spirit's drawing and pulling you even now. And the next point is literally just the next part of those same verses in 18 and 19 that we read. Number two, that you may know the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Have you ever known someone that walked into some sort of like wildly incredible inheritance? It changes the way that most people live doesn't it? It changes the way they think. It changes how they make decisions, what they do with their money, with their time. When we realize the inheritance that we have in the Lord, it should do the same for us. Change everything, right? First Peter 1. Look at verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. Exactly how Paul phrased it, right? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, 
spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. Another term that scripture uses for inheritance is also heritage. And while there is inheritance waiting for us in heaven, scripture is clear that we have a heritage and inheritance here on earth as well. I've taught this before, but Isaiah 54, 17, you've heard this verse, right? No weapon forged against you will prevail and you will refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. This is their vindication from me, declares the Lord. All of this is amazing and totally true, but I feel like the Lord showed me another face of this scripture this week. Let's look at it again. Ephesians 1, 18 and 19. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, meaning that you may know the riches, the astounding value, right? of his glorious inheritance. Wait, who, whose inheritance? God the Father's inheritance. But wait, where and what is God's precious and incredibly valuable inheritance? It's in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Do you see that? He's not just talking about what we will inherit from him. He's not just saying that his inheritance is to come. He's saying it's in us. His inheritance is us. We are it. You don't believe me? Look at Psalm 33, verse 12. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he chose for his inheritance. Psalm 94, verse 14. For the Lord will not reject his people. He will never forsake his inheritance. Isn't that powerful? His, his inheritance is for us, but it's also in us and is us. I have a somewhat pathetic love for this show on Netflix called Gilmore Girls. I know, just pray for me, okay? <laughs> in one of the seasons, the main character, Lorelai's mom, who is incredibly wealthy, tells Lorelai and her daughter to walk through the house and put post-its on everything that they want for their inheritance. I thought about that this week with this revelation. God looked down at eternity and through time and he put a post-it on you, friend. You're who he wanted, not only to have his inheritance, but to be his inheritance. You're it. You're the most valuable, more valuable than anything. And that's why he was willing to give his only son for you. Number one, that you may know the hope to which he's called you. Friend, he has chosen you. He's called you. He calls you into hope and purpose. Number two, that you may know the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, inside of us, in store for us, and also in us. You're his inheritance. And let's go back to that verse one more time for the last one. This is my prayer for each of you listening. I pray, just like Paul, that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. The last prayer Paul had for us 
in this first chapter of Ephesians is this, that you may know his incomparably great power for all of us who believe. He has power for us, but it's not just any power. It's his power. A few months ago, Fulton came home from school like he does every day. He grabs his snack and his little kid's Kindle fire and he went trekking to his room to go zone out. And he came stomping back to me, super upset. And I said, what's wrong, buddy? And he said, my Kindle fire is dead. And I said, uh, he, oh, and he looked at me and he said, why didn't you power it? And I said, what do you mean? He said, you didn't give it power, mommy. And I responded with, buddy, uh, the Kindle fire is yours. We gave it to you. You get to do with it as you choose. We have also supplied power in this house for you. You can access it all over our home. Did you connect your Kindle to the power? Well, yeah, a long time ago, he said. I said, buddy, that's your issue. You have to connect it to the source. I've provided a way for you to do that, but it's up to you to do it. I know some of you are probably rolling your eyes right now. It's a pretty simple example. But I know it's not that easy, but what if it is? What if you access more of God's power on a daily basis than you even know? What if it really is that readily available to you? Do you desire His power in your life to do what He wants you to do? Some of you are scared to even grapple with that question, but you need to know how enjoyable His power is in your life. It's not scary. It's incredibly freeing, so much so that when the Holy Spirit fell in Acts and brought His power to believers, they were so free and enjoying so much that people looking on thought that they were drunk. He wants you to connect with Him and stay connected to Him and operate in His power. It really is for you. There's nothing ordinary about it. It is all-encompassing and all-conquering. Look at how Paul describes this power. Pick back up at verse 19, the last part of that verse. That power is the same as the mighty strength he, meaning God, exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked. Oh, but Ashley, that's not for right now. I know you're saying that. And guess what? The Holy Spirit knew, knew that you would say that too. So he had Paul add this phrase, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. It's for all of us. God placed all things under his feet and appointed him, Jesus, not a political party, not a normal man with his own agenda, Jesus to be head over everything for the church. Some things? No, 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 everything. Just theology? No, 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 everything for the church which is his body, still talking about the church, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. He is enough, friends. He has power for you and for me. He has power that he wants us as the church to be operating in. Can I tell you why I don't think we see more of God's power in the Christian church in America? Because I believe we don't allow Christ to actually be the head. We don't allow him to be the example that we're truly following. We don't allow what Jesus did on earth to drive the mission of the local church. Friends, I believe God is calling us to get back to that. I believe that he desires 
for his power to operate in and through our lives. I believe that he has so much more for us and he is going to be unpacking that to us as we study this book of Ephesians. I want you to know the hope that he's called you to. I want you to be aware of the riches of his glorious inheritance inside of his people, in store for his people, and really who his people actually are, that we are his inheritance. It's beautiful, right? And then that you may know his incomparably great power for those of us that believe. He has that power for us. It's not just any power, not just power to survive or keep up, but incomparably great power, power that nothing can compare to. That's what he's made available to you and to me when we say yes to him. Right now, friends, if you've never said yes to this God who gives you purpose, who has chosen you from the beginning of time, one who offers you not just life, but life bigger than you could ever have in and of yourself. If you've never said yes to him, I wanna invite you to do that now. You don't have to sign up for anything. You don't have to say any sort of churchy language or anything like that. He knows your heart better than you do. He created it. So right now, just invite him to come and to be with you to be Lord of your life, to help, help you to know not only how much He loves you, but all of the riches of the incredible things that He has available to you, that He's provided for you. Just say, Lord, I, I wanna give you my sin and my shame. I wanna give you all of my decisions. I wanna give you my past and my future. And I believe, we believe, that just by you saying that, all of heaven's rejoicing. I know it seems so simple, right? It confounds people, but the power of God, even with that decision, is available to you right now, friends, in ways that you could never even imagine. So right now, I just wanna pray. If you've said yes to Jesus, or maybe you've been following the Lord for some time, but you've been grappling with this idea. Maybe it's the idea of free will or being chosen. Maybe it's the idea that you even have a purpose. Maybe it's the idea that you don't see his power operating in your life. I wanna encourage you right now to lay that at his feet, to seek him because he does have purpose for you. He does love you more than you could ever fathom. He doesn't just have purpose, but he also has power for your life that he wants to show in and through you. Lord, I thank you. I thank you, God, for every person watching, whether they're live or watching it later. Lord, we thank you for how powerfully your spirit moves through these cameras, through the internet. Lord, we just ask right now that your Holy Spirit begin to draw, Lord, every single individual watching. Lord, I know you've already been nudging their hearts. You've already been putting thoughts in their minds that, that they know wasn't them. Lord, help them to recognize that that's you. That's how you tend to speak at times. And Lord, help them to begin to fathom 
the richness of everything that you have for them, everything that you desire, that you stood outside of time, Lord, and you chose them. You put a post-it on them. You decided for them to be your inheritance. Lord, we just ask that you begin to reveal that to us. And Lord, with that revelation, help us, God, to make our decisions, to make our plans, to submit every part of our life to you as we recognize that we do have purpose and calling and power in your name. Lord, help us to even begin more and more to crave to crave not only what you're calling us to, but how you're wanting to operate through us in your power. Lord, so that as we study the rest of Ephesians, God, you will create that hunger and thirst for more of you, God, that can only be quenched by who you are. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Wow, now that's, listen, that is how you start off any brand new series. Man, dear Ephesus, thank you, Ashley. What a phenomenal word. And like every time, we want to not only give you, you know, some teaching, but we want you to meditate on what you just heard. And so we do that every week by giving you some, you know, few questions that you can meditate on. Maybe you want to share these uh, questions with your small group or your loved ones. I encourage you to do it, all right? Let this seed begin to grow inside you. So here, here's some questions. If you're taking notes, write these down. Here's the first question as I throw my glasses on here. Number one, do you know your calling and purpose for this season? If so, are you walking in it? If not, what are you doing to help? What are you doing to help you to better understand what God has for you? All right, so that's the first question. Here's the second question. That is, what does it mean to you that God not only has inheritance for you and inside of you, but that he sees you as his inheritance? All right, so that's the second question. Here's the third and final question for you to meditate on today and throughout this week, and that is, do you feel like you operate in the power that God offers you? Why or why not? Are there areas of God's power that you see offered to you in scripture that you desire to see in your own life? What are those areas? Have you asked God for them? Why or why not? So take those questions today. Begin to meditate on those questions. Get together with others, whether that's in person or through Zoom, and talk through some of this stuff. It's phenomenal when you begin to actually apply these teachings of God's Word to your life. It'll change everything. Hey. Well, we just want to one more time thank you for everybody. You've come alongside us. What just a phenomenal gathering that we just recently had. It's just this summer is going to be so exciting. So make sure you stay tuned. Make sure you're following all of our different social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram. We so appreciate your financial giving, your donations, your ties, your offerings. If you want to be a part of that, man, we, we just encourage it. We are so grateful and we're able to get the gospel out. We're able to move this ministry forward because of your diligence and your and your partnership through giving. So if you want to do that, make sure you text the word donation to 84576 and you'll get a direct link right to your mobile device on how you can do that. Or of course, you can always mail your checks to our PO box, which 
You can find all of our social media and our website. All right, have a wonderful day. God bless you as we continue this new series, Dear Ephesus on the book of Ephesians. We love you and we'll see you real soon all the way from Pacific Coast Church.